We've been speaking now these last couple of weeks uh, about uh, spirit of adventure leading to harvest and particularly starting off, I think is the absolutely right place and the whole issue of heart condition. That is about our closeness and a hunger to come closer to God himself and the outcome of that, the result of that is always something happens in our heart. You can't be closer to God, you can't be in the presence of God without something happening. If nothing's happened, then you haven't been there, you've not experienced it. So that's why we are looking, and we spent some time looking, what increases hunger, what mitigates against hunger, how we can engage in responding to God's work to increase hunger in us, and that's a a key thing. But of course, along the way, uh, many of you uh, heard and that, that we just take one step and God is there and God meets with us. And uh, many of you opted and knew the step to take. And so I'm now thinking that because God doesn't just speak for the sake of speaking and because this is his word that we're looking at together, that there would have been some increase in hunger for him, some softening of of heart towards him, and uh, that that process is going on. I know that process is going on for me, and as Hillary was saying, it's not always comfortable, and it's not always convenient, but it's good to know that God is at work, and uh, that's more important than our comfort and convenience. And uh, it's important that we pick up on these things. So... um, it would be really good to hear sort of one-liners. Have you experienced a softening of heart? What did it look like? Have you experienced a new hunger for God? How was it, how was it worked out? How did you know? Anybody tell me that? Just put your hand up so I can see. Yeah, one, two, three, four... Yeah, see, once you can get that hand moving, it's not so difficult, is it? Yeah, all right. Well, I think it'd be good to hear about that, and let's see how we go. Maybe in a bit I'll get you to to share that, see how quickly we can get on before I break this thing. Good. Before we get into that, I just want to uh, bring us back to a scripture which I think is very important, because we're a people that are conscious of the world around about us, of what's happening. We're not kind of shut away. Uh, we're not sort of um, cut off from, because God has called us to be light in the darkness and salt in the earth, to be in the world, but not of the world. And so it's important that we're engaged in that. So I was looking, and this psalm uh, just stood out to me again. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Okay? Can we just affirm that? The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. Whether you are the USA or North Korea or islands of the Caribbean recovering from this awful situation or wherever or whatever it may be, the Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. Could we have an amen on that? Can we have a declaration on that? Because there are times when we need to be very clear where we're coming from. Very clear the fact that we are not dependent about just what is happening in the world around about us because the Lord reigns, 
let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You've established equity in Jacob. You've done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Amen? It's really good that there are times when we come back and declare, declare to the heavens that it's the Lord who reigns and the nations need to tremble. Lisa in Australia sent for me to, to look at a word that she thought was for Hilton and Norma. Now, we'll, we'll put that in the bulletin, but I just, wanna, I just want you to read, I just want to read to you just the beginning, on it, beginning of it. You have heard people call disasters acts of God. This was not an act of God, for I do not devastate and destroy, but I act to love and build. See, this, these things are good and useful to us because it helps us in our positioning and in our attitude and in our response. We need to catch these things, the same as the fact that the Lord reigns. These things are an expression of the lawlessness in the world, the lawlessness inspired by the enemy of mankind. Yet this is a unique moment for my people to rise up, to rebuke the lawless spirit and to usher in the spirit of love and peace. It's a time for the nations to see the true acts of God, acts which are inspired by love, by the power of my spirit. Time for my people to demonstrate and live out the true acts of God. Now, I, I feel that this captures something of the heart and mind of God. And I think it would be almost perverse if we as family did not stand together and pray. But I would like us to pray off the back of this particular position. I think it helps us to kind of join in this to stand together. So let's stand together again. Father, we choose to declare together that the Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. That you do sit enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. And we declare, Lord, at this time that you have a people, people with the likes of Leroy and Hilton and Norma and Mano. Lord, that you would raise up. Lord, we ask that you would grant them insight at this time. Lord, that you would cause them to be those who demonstrate and live out the true acts of a living God at this time, that you would empower them, Lord, that you would give them opportunity, Lord, that your grace would be upon them, that they might be shining lights in this darkness at this time, that you would grant to them the opportunity to make known the graciousness and the goodness of God against the backdrop of this horrendous devastation. And Lord, as you do that, we lift our brothers and sisters to you, those who, I guess today, will be wearing the clothes that they've worn every other day. 
those that don't have a home to go to, those that are wondering where they're going to get water and food today. These are our brothers and sisters, Lord, and we cannot but help call out to you, Lord, that you would make provision for them, that you would go, do according to your goodness, Lord, that beyond and above uh, anything else that you would, you would look for them in the way that only you can. Lord, we recognize you are a miraculous God. Lord, we recognize that you can do all things. And we ask, for our, Lord, for our brethren for the provision and protection, Lord, at this time. But we also say, Lord, make them shining lights. Make them arrows of your deliverance. Raise them up and anoint them, Lord, to declare something of your heart and mind in this, these times of great devastation and trouble. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, take your seats. We very quickly recap. To be honest, you really need to, if you missed week one and two, you'd do well to, to listen to it on the recordings. We're speaking about this condition of heart that, so that we can actually function in what God's calling us to. I talked quite a bit about consecration. And the fact that God promises to do amazing things. We talked about the fact that, that we do that by keeping sight of the ark. We're using that story from Joshua. Keeping our focus on him, coming closer to him. We talked about that hunger for greater closeness. That need for the, the softening of heart that we might actually reflect what he wants. Because... Unless it comes from that place of a reflection of his heart, we're back to a kind of uh, religious thing again, which we know leads to death, not to life. So it, it's not kind of an optional extra, it's very necessary. We're taking these one steps, all about our heart condition. Last week we looked at, uh, at four steps um, which help us to actually make that turn and draw near to God. We looked at what draws us close. It was important that we focus on looking on what was good. Very easy, very easy this week to look on what's bad. Yeah? Uh, don't see much good on television news this week. See lots of inaccuracies. But God is good. God is good and gives us the ability to focus on him and his goodness. And whilst the, the, the storm, figuratively and literally, uh, we were hearing from Serena this morning, is raging around us, yet it's possible to find that place of peace and calm in God. It's a remarkable thing that God did there for Serena. You know, very admittedly in a place of great fear. 
Uh, if any of you have ever experienced that, you, you, that, that hurricane type thing, you, you'd understand. It's a pretty serious thing. Uh, and yet bringing her to that, that place of peace and rest in him. I was quite pleased when I heard that. Weren't you? Yeah. Yeah? Wow. That's my God. I mean, you know, he can do things that nobody else could do. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. What a place to be able to go to, to go to God himself. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking about that, and now I'm forgetting where I'm supposed to be going. (laughs) See, when he says, and he constantly says this through the scriptures, uh, he says, follow me. He never gave us a kind of set of things to believe. He gave us himself. Follow me. Now, I suppose you can follow from a long way off, but it's a lot easier um, I want to be very personal my wife and I have a different way of transiting through say an airport actually of travel generally I tend to have a fixed point where I'm going yeah and I've got this roll-on thing, and it's like a battering ram. And uh, she tends to be of a more gentle disposition and would, would sort of allow people to, to, to kind of, you know, come in front of me. Same in the car as well. I mean, we won't go there. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, it's a lot easier for her to follow me and know where I'm going if she's closer. Because you can get so many people between us that in the end, she doesn't know quite where she's going because she depends on me. (laughs) You can laugh. I'm going to suffer for this later. (laughs) But here's the point. The closer you are, when he said, follow me, he wasn't inviting us to follow from some distance. He was inviting us to take the hand of the guide and to come into that closeness. So he's still saying it today. Follow me is not something that you do, oh, yeah, it's over there somewhere, but it's to come into that place of closeness. So in Mark 1, verse 17, he goes on from that, and we'll look at this uh, in coming weeks. He says, follow me, I'm going to make something of you that's way beyond being a fisherman. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to actually, as you follow me, as you come close to me, I'm going to entrust you with a particular role of connecting people into the fact and into the miracle that they can become my followers as well. And I'm going to leave with you and give to you the ability to be that connector, fishers of men. Does that sound interesting? Mildly. Hmm. So please understand, following him 
is not that. Following him is coming close and being equipped and empowered for his eternal purpose. It's like being higher than some ambassador of a nation. We become ambassadors of the Most High God. That's the coming close. That's not go and do this task. That's the coming close. Very important. And in fact, still saying something similar, in Revelation 4 verse 1, he talks about come up higher, come closer, come to this place which I'm preparing for you, this place of intimacy with me. This place where it's not so much about task, it's more about knowing something more of his, his love. Understanding something more of this great salvation. Picking up his heart of care. Understanding what long-suffering is. I mean, all these things which don't always seem to be quite too tasty, but it's part of the life of God in us that equips us for. Finding out, understanding. Do you ever stop and think, God, how do you put up with me? Do you ever do that? Oh. I used to, but I corrected myself. <laughs> I mean, do you ever wonder? I sometimes wonder, God, not only did you give me second chance, but you've been so patient. And you just keep on, and you don't give up. And you're just so consistent. Do you ever stop and think about those things? That's where God would be very happy for us to be because out of that rises up a great thankfulness and a great sense of depth of appreciation for his great goodness and, and really the extent of his amazing love. He laid down his life for me. I can't, I can't. Can you get that in your mind? I can't get it. I, I just can't comprehend it. I get it in my spirit, but I can't comprehend I mean, I know it as a fact, but comprehending that the Son of Almighty God would give up his life for me, it, it, it beggars. My, my natural mind cannot handle that, cannot cope with that. And that's why the prayer in Ephesians Three is so very significant. Let me just read it to you, verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Guys, we're talking about a spiritual revelation. I mean, you can't get this. There's nobody can get this in the natural mind. That you might understand the depth of his love and to, uh, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It actually sets it there. You can't get this through knowledge. That you may be filled to all the measure, to the measure of all the fullness of God. Just amazing. Wonderful. 
that our hearts might be like his. What, a, what an amazing thing that we might share a measure of his heart. Um, that, that is just, that is what he's saying and it's never ending. We never actually arrive there. It's part of what he constantly gives to us. Let me just look at another scripture with you. This is Ezekiel 36, I think I want. Oh yes, verse 26. I will give you a new heart. Yeah? So whatever you would look at as being part of that's the way I am, well, praise God, we ain't stuck in that. Yeah? I will remove from you your heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. Do you know what? This is God saying, not only uh, that we might come into an understanding, but he will equip us with the capacity to actually be able to come into that understanding. It's like, one minute, there's a prayer, we just read it, that we might, by the power of the Spirit of God, be able to come into that deeper revelation and understanding of just what it is, just how much he loves us. But he also says, oh, by the way, I dropped in the right receptacle so that you can actually have that. So you couldn't get it outside of the miracle of salvation. But I've taken away that heart of stone. I've banged in one that is flesh, basically is able to begin increasingly to receive just who you are in that. Now when we talk about heart, we're talking really about the centre of our being, um, our real self, our character. Um, But you know that phrase we use, that my heart might beat with his heart? Hmm. What would that look like? My heart was beating with his heart. Yeah? Have a little think. Actually, talk to somebody. Give them an idea. Or give them a thought of what it might look like. Yeah? Turn to the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. What would it look like? What would be an evidence? What would be an outworking? If my heart was beating with his heart, what would it actually look like? Come on, do a little bit of thinking. This is not a time for sitting back and just listening. You've got to think. What would it look like for a heart that beats with his heart? Give me something. you feel interested in others I'm looking at this group over here I think they're the remedial group but I'm going to work with them <laughs> overwhelming compassion is that okay yeah that's okay mate yeah well done Dave Get excited about the things God gets excited about. Yes, yeah. yeah. Are you feeling left out over there? Thinking I've ignored you? Yeah? Well, I'm here now. Loving your enemies? Loving your enemies, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm a minute, you're not over there. You're, you, hold, up, hold on that a minute. No, my fault, not yours. No. 
Yeah, it would do with selfishness, yeah, yeah. Yeah, loving what he loves and hating what he hates. Now this group here, led by Neil. Find myself doing the things that please him. Yeah, find myself actually doing the things that please him. Hey, now that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Whoops, look what I just did. I didn't even think about it. I just did something that's pleasing to him. What on earth is happening to me? Yeah? This ain't even natural. Hallelujah. It ain't. It's supernatural. Yeah. Anybody else? Because I don't want you to think I'm having favourites because Neil's part of the leadership. Just a minute, Simon. No, no, this this group here. I'm coming to you. Heart steadier, not easily troubled. Simon. Say it. Befriending someone that nobody else would befriend. Does those things sound good to you? Is that where we're going? Is that where we're going? That our hearts would more beat with his heart? Yes? Is that what God's saying to us in these days? Are we clear about that? Very clear because we can't go on until we're clear about where we're going. We're clear coming closer to him means our heart's more like him. We're softer of heart. Some of the things that we've just heard, excellent things, are exactly what God is producing in us. Is that good? Do we want more of that? Can we tell God we want more of that? Lord, we want more of that, please. More of that softening of heart. More of that closeness with you. More reflecting what you're really like. Lord, to the point that we hardly realise it's us. Mm, Grant that, please, Lord. Wow. Now, it's critical because, look, guys, without love, care, which we believe in absolutely, it just becomes rules. No, no, it loses its life. Without love, it becomes a series of rules or requirements. Well, in our church, we believe in serving, so I've come to serve you. Go away. I want somebody serving me because of a belief system. If you're going to serve, I want it to be an expression of love. Not, not a belief system. No way. My goodness me. You see, without love, care can be just reduced down to rules. We never, ever want that. Without love, commitment just becomes legalism. Same thing. Well, this is what's required. You imagine a marriage with all the requirements and not love. Man, a list of rules and regulations and things you've got to do. It's like a life sentence. Yeah? It just becomes legalism. And actually, let me take it further. Without love, worship just becomes a form of something or a performance of something, which is something we can do. See, love has got to be the foundation of all those things. Without love, giving is actually worthless. You say, no, 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 it can't be. Yep. As far as God is concerned, 
without love, if, we're, if it's not coming as an expression of love, oh, there's a money exchange. But that's not what God talked about. When he talked about or modelled giving his one and only son, it wasn't some kind of exchange. It wasn't paying off some, some sort of earthly ransom. <coughs> See, true giving that we read about in 2 Corinthians when he was commending the Macedonians because they gave themselves in love first to God, then to the brethren, then out of that their giving came. That's the giving. That's why all this awful, nasty stuff about persuading people to give money, it stinks because it's not anything to do with the kingdom. It becomes worthless without love. We cannot kind of... It's very difficult to sort of imagine. See, what we're talking about. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Right? Love is expressed in the laying down of life. And then he talks to us about that. Hmm... That's nice. I mean, that's good. Are we happy with that? No? Are we happy that love is expressed, that he gave his one and only son? Yeah, come on, guys. It's me you're talking to. I'm friendly. Don't worry about the face. Hey, but how about this? God's love is also expressed in this. Depart from me, I never knew you. Look, we're not talking about something sort of just sweet and cuddly, we're talking about something that is powerful and effective and it's part of the outworking of righteousness. We've got to be clear that we're tapping into something that is absolutely supernatural and it cannot be kind of translated into simply a natural thing. His heart of love expressed in laying down his life. Heart of love expressed in those that were uh, religious or thought they were, or thought they were doing good things, but never knew him. They didn't do the very things, the practical outworkings. You know, I was in, in sick and you visited me not. I was in prison, you didn't care for me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. All the practical aspects expressions which are necessary, which we learn in the Word of God. But, you know, I believe we can choose, with his help, to have our hearts beating with his in greater measure than ever before. We can choose soft rather than hard hearts. And there is a often a continuous application. It's not, we make a decision, Lord, I want to come closer to you, I want my heart to be more like yours. Lord, will you help me? That's, that's a very, very good start, remember? And often it's just one step, and we find that he's there and he's receiving us. So that's good. But then there's often opportunities for that to be 
fed, that to grow as against going the other way, the hardness of heart. I'm going to look at two or three of those. Let's think about a, an adversarial situation. Someone does us harm or somebody is against us. The Bible says this in Proverbs 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. How easy it is, whether in word or email, to kind of react from the hard heart rather than the soft heart. When I was thinking about this, um, sometimes I remember things from way back a few years ago. And we were on holiday in the Lake District, just a few days. And then I got a call to say that Avril had been taken ill and was in hospital. And we felt, no, we we should return. Um, Because for our sins, we are a kind of friends of Avril. A kind of supporters of Avril. Yes, I have a hard life. Anyway, so we quickly went back to our hotel, collected our stuff and drove from the Lake District. And I mean, in a very gentle, kind of mature, serene way, which is, you know, how you would expect me to drive. We got to King George Hospital after visiting time. And... She was in a sideboard, so we went in to see her. And then this rather aggressive, bolshy nurse came in and started saying, well, it's after visiting time. I had quite a lot of answers to give to her at that point in time. I could have actually enjoyed answering that fall according to a folly, you know? I mean, I, I would have a kind of natural inclination. You want to fight? Okay. But in a moment of time, I just felt, you know, that little opportunity that God gives. And I forget what I probably said to her. I recognize that accent from somewhere. And, you know, within a moment, she was... She was just kind of warm and friendly, and she probably was very tired and had a long day, and the last thing she needed was what we were there then. I thought, hmm. And God just reminded me of that. I thought, oh, yes, I do remember that. Uh, the ability in an adversarial situation to make a choice. See, guys, sin doesn't have dominion over us. We can choose how godly we want to be. We can choose to say, Lord, let me just catch your heart in this situation. Just remind me how it could be. Remember Joseph, uh, when he was speaking to the treachery and awful uh, betrayal of his brothers, he said, you know what? What you meant for harm, God used for good. God used for his purpose. And I believe in any situation we can make that choice. 
Then there's another area we can choose, and this is the one in the area of needs. Um, this world talks about compassion fatigue, and it's just a term that the, the world uses, although it describes um, the situation of you can't keep on trying the same thing with people. Well, we don't really subscribe to compassion fatigue because we don't just react to the latest thing being presented by the news. Because we are seeking to do what God gives us to do. And it's, it's, a, it's a very significant thing because it, it means that when somebody knocks at the door um, asking for a contribution to this, that or the other, the donkey sanctuary or something like that, um, I, I don't really have a problem in saying no. I don't have a problem in resisting a number of these requests because actually my heart is soft by the grace of God to what God wants, not to what this world tells me that I should do. It helps us in the issue we can choose to be soft-hearted. Now, let me go on to say that this week we've seen that awful earthquake in Mexico but also, limited way, got news about what's happening with our brethren in St. Martin and Dominica. I have a different response to St. Martin and Dominica because there's a relationship. These are our brethren. There's a sense of love and care which is expressed in responsibility and standing together. You see, the softness of heart is not necessarily responding to everything the softness of heart is actually reflecting what it is to be in a love relationship. So we looked at adversarial situations. We looked at opportunities to choose and softness of heart with regard to needs. But let me just take a moment to look at other situations altogether. Situations where... There's never any action involved. I had a really strange thing happen to me years ago. Um, so long ago, most of you won't, or many of you won't know about this, but you remember when people were escaping, Vietnam, Vietnamese were escaping from Vietnam and were, were going in boats across to Hong Kong, wasn't it? Yeah. And they became known as the Vietnamese boat people. And for years, it feels like years, it may have been months, I can't exactly remember, I really burdened to pray for these people. I never met one. I didn't know anything other than what was in the news. I've never been there. I've never had anything to do with it. I never gave, as far as I can remember, any money towards it. But it was something that was, that was impressed upon my heart that caused me to pray but without action that was kind of practical and visible action. I don't want to negate the fact that God can soften our hearts towards something purely for the purpose of prayer. You know, that, that's, that's always a valid thing. And I'm really grateful for people sometimes that don't know me or haven't met me in a long time who have been moved to pray for me. And I think that's part of the, of the goodness of God. On the other hand, let's think about when it is action. 
you know, after a, not long after I had this fall and damaged my leg and had all the hospital treatment and that sort of thing, um, Claudia's father, Julio, uh, in Peru, who I knew well, uh, he fell off a roof and was sustained terrible injuries and was in pain and couldn't get the right treatment and pain relief and all these sort of things. Well, I was deeply concerned about that because that's my, that's my brother and I wasn't, I was a bit limited at that time, but I wasn't too limited in terms of not being able to pray. And part of what I wanted was that we, we would do anything that we could to help and, we, and therefore we engaged in that in a significant way as indeed we did um, sadly before Anacleto passed. You know, I think part of that, there is a softness of heart, there is a, a readiness, an ability that we can hear God and together we engage in things. Now sometimes, as I said, it's that we pick it up as a burden in prayer. Other times we do whatever we, we can in order to, to, to express that love and to action that love. And I remember it's been sometimes unpalatable. I remember the time when um, we had to go to Mozambique. Uh, in those days it was to, to rescue Edmore and others that were in a mess there. So we, what did we do? If our hearts are soft towards God, we hear what God gives us to do, we jump on a plane and we go there. Did the same thing uh, at a given time, just a day, to go to Northern Ireland to uh, rescue. I think that time it was, it was Moses. And uh, we just recognize that we're... See, the softness of heart helps us to operate. But, you know, I'm going to tell you another time, way, way back... Um, and there was a brother that came from Guyana called Ked Juglua. He's an anointed brother. He was staying with us. And I'm going way, way back. And when I heard the situation, I, I went, and he had kids, and I went and bought a load of stuff in sort of mother care and that sort of thing for his kids and baby or whatever it was. And afterwards, I got a real... I mean, he was appreciative of that. But I got a real sort of empty feeling. I, I, I don't really know how to describe it. Just didn't... And I came to realise I'd operated out of a soulishness there. And it's very, very different to operating out of a compassion that God puts in our hearts. And yes, I'm sure he benefited from some stuff. But it wasn't... It was very different. And God does not call us to operate soulishly. He calls us to operate according to his word and his will and his way. And of course, um, we can choose a soft heart when he talks to us about being pure-hearted to represent him. You know when it says, uh, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Do you ever think, oh, with all my heart, with all, oh Lord. But you know our right response to that? Of course, Lord. Of course. I shall love the Lord I, my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Of course. Because he has placed into us the very ability to do that. 
And it's another time to be able to thank him. To thank him that we can operate from the heart with internal obedience. We don't just do what's on the outside, but it can be from the inside with a conviction that that's right. That's why he can say to us, you've heard not to commit adultery, but I'm telling you not even to look at somebody with lust in your eyes because I've equipped you with the ability to operate from the inside, not just on the outside. You see, a pure heart is not divided. It doesn't keep anything back for itself. It doesn't retain the right to hold a grudge. It doesn't retain the right to hit back. It doesn't retain the right to even depend on self. It has nothing else. No other foreign gods. And so... Nathaniel, <laughs> do you remember that? He said, here's a man in whom there's no guile. <coughs> yeah, it's an open heaven. This is John 1, 47. A place where I kind of feel God says, this is what I've given him. And this is almost like a model of what I want. There's no divided heart. There's a pure heart. There's something which I have equipped that you could all have. Nathaniel, with an open heart, clean and pure before him. I would like us, just as we kind of come to the conclusion, um, there's a song that uh, Phil's asked um, Peter to bring. He's going to minister this song. He's not going to perform it. He's going to minister it. And as he does so, um, you can listen to it, but I'd like you to identify with it as a kind of response to God because as far as I'm aware, God is not finished with this issue of drawing us closer. Isn't that good? I'm glad he's not finished with that, aren't you? Yeah? Yeah? Some of you old-timers, are you glad that God's not finished with that? Yeah? I know there's no old-timers, other than one or two especially. Lord, give me, please, more of this softness of heart. Lord, give me, please, that closeness to you. Lord, grant to me a place where I'll be equipped with your compassion that my heart might beat with your heart. Why? Because God is saying to us, in coming days, I'm going to do amazing things. This is the equipping for what I'm going to do in these coming days. Yeah? Let's respond to God then as we listen to this song. Make our response in our own hearts. Declare, make declaration. Remember, there's great power in declaration same power that there is in confession it's a releasing power as we come speak that